0: good morning all. Good morning. Really good to see you, really good to be here. Very excited to be the bookend to finish off Mark's Gospel this morning. Bookends are important, aren't they? They hold it all together. They hold it all together. So we come to our uh, the end of our series in the Gospel of Mark. It's been quite a pace for those of you who have been With us on the journey, Uh, we've gone through this at some speed. And I I guess in some ways, we sort of finished last week with the uh, accounts of the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And, And in some ways, that is where Mark concludes things. But this is perhaps a postscript. There's like an extra bit in there as well. And the reason that it is a sort of a postscript, the reason it's like an, an extra bit, a reason where it, it may be in your Bible in slightly smaller prints, if you've got a you know printed one like this and not just using your phone, you, you might find it in slightly smaller print. And that's because the earliest and arguably the most reliable versions we have of Mark's Gospel, the most original copies we have, don't always have this section in. And in fact, it has got some things in this section which make for rather interesting reading, as we will see in a moment. However, it's still in the Bible. It's still in God's Word. So even if it's in smaller print, even if all the, some of the original uh, copies that we have, or the oldest copies rather, we have, don't have it, it's still something that God wants us to see and he has for us to learn. So that's why we didn't finish Mark last week. It's why we're finishing it today. So, if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 16, please. And in my Bible, it's in smaller print. I'm struggling in this size print already, which means the smaller print, I just stand no chance. So I'm going to read it off my iPad because the print's the same. Um, But in your version, it might be... uh, might be easier to read. So in Mark chapter 16, we're going to pick it up. So last week we had uh, the account of the resurrection. And we finished with trembling and bewildered. The women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. But you know, we know some more of the story as well. Then we pick it up in verse 9. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went, she went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on people who are ill and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gospel we've spent these weeks looking at together. And we pray now as we conclude our time in the Gospel of Mark that you would speak to us, God, that you would make it come alive to us. That, Lord Jesus, you would be so present now and you would speak to us through your Spirit. Give us open hearts, Lord, to hear what you have for us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So actually, where the main part of Mark's gospel finishes, trembling, bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And it's like it stops in mid-sentence, isn't it? You, you, you're saying, but, but, but what's next? But what's next? Why, why does it finish there? You, you sort of read it and you're going, Mark, what happened? Did you sort of run out of ink? Well, no, what, what happened there? Why, why are you stopping mid-sentence? It seems like it's a funny place to stop. But you know what? I think Mark isn't meant to be a finished work in that way. Because like we were saying earlier, I think Tim alluded to it, in stealing some of what I was saying, (laughs) he writes us into the story as well. It's like, that's the bit we've got recorded. And yes, that's the scripture. That's God's word to us. But we now get to play our part in the bigger story of God and what he's doing in the earth. It's like we're now meant to jump into the story and continue it and continue God's work in the world. Now, it's pretty clear that the, the extra ending, most commentators would say that the extra ending that we've just written wasn't written by Mark. It was added in later to, to try and wrap things up because it, it seemed like such a strange way to finish. There were those that thought, well, I best, better we, you know, maybe we should tidy it up a bit and make it a, a cleaner ending. Most earlier manuscripts don't have it. And it's, it's different in language and style to the rest of Mark. And it has got some things in there that we might think, well, that's a bit strange. What is it about snakes and poison? I don't recall much about that in the Gospel of Mark. Well, let's deal with that bit quickly and get it out of the way. Because it shouldn't be the focus of our time together. You know, there have been throughout history some people that have suggested we take the verse literally and start playing with snakes and, and poison. But let me make it really clear, no serious commentator would recommend that. And I would not recommend it either. There's no suggestion that we should be going looking for poison and snakes to try and play around with and somehow reinforce our message. That's not what it's saying. There have been those that have suggested, interestingly, that actually poison and snakes can be taken to refer to, to demons and demonic activity. And that's certainly true if you look in it's Old Testament writings. Maybe what the, the writer is alluding to. But what is really clear is that is this. God goes with those he sends. God goes with those he sends. So will God protect us? Will he be with us against demonic activity that comes against us? Will he, be, will he be with us still if we face some things and face some trials and persecution? Absolutely, 100%, always. And you only have to keep reading through the New Testament to see that time and again, God stands with his people. God is with them at every turn. In every persecution, he is there. Even the disciples who later were to lose their lives for following Jesus, God stood there with him. So does it mean we should start looking for snakes and playing with bleach? No, do not go home and do that. But do know this, as you go, God goes with you. Now, there are lots of instructions elsewhere in Scripture for us to to pray for and to heal the sick. So that part is certainly consistent with the rest of Scripture. So, So let's go on. What do we get to learn from this passage? What is God saying to us this morning? So what, if you like? There's this postscript at the end of Mark. So what? Well, like we've said, Mark's Gospel seems to finish somewhat abruptly and actually there's two extra endings to mark the first is so short it doesn't even have um, verse numbers and you might find it in the footnotes of your bible it says this this is this is great then they quickly reported all these instructions to those around peter after this jesus himself also sent out through them from east to west the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation amen That you don't have to have read much much of Mark's gospel to know that doesn't sound much like him. So that's why it's not, you know, in the main part of your Bible. It sounds far more religious and formal than anything Mark would write. But what about these verses that are, are included? This postscript. One commentator said this. He said that the early church... And those who wrote this final section obviously believed that the church had certain tasks committed to it by Jesus. A preaching task, a healing task. And it reminded us that the church has a source of power and is never left alone. So what do we get to learn then? Well, if you're wanting a heading for this preach, if you're wanting a title, it's this and go and go because we've got all of mark's gospel we've got the accounts of what jesus did and said we've got the account of his death and his resurrection that somehow sort of stops mid sentence and now it says and go now we get to play our part now mark does not expect us to sit around debating the finer points of theology with one another are arguing over certain doctrines. Although sometimes those things are necessary, he doesn't expect that of us. He expects us to go. Now you've learned this about Jesus. Now you've seen what he's said and done. Now go. Now go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That sort of sounds quite all-encompassing, doesn't it? Go into all the world and preach to all creation. There's not much that's left out of that sentence. Go everywhere and preach to everyone. Now, we can often assume that verses like this apply to other people, not to us. We can read it and think, oh yeah, that applies to to that person or those people, but we're somehow excluded from it doesn't say that. It's written to all of us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. This is something for all of us. We are all tasked with communicating the good news of the gospel. All of us are commanded to go to preach the gospel. Nowhere is off limits. None of us are excluded. This is for all of us, everywhere, always, every time. Do you sort of get the message here? This This is not for somebody else. This is for you. And you might say to me, but Graham, I'm not a preacher. Listen, I'm not just talking about what I'm doing in this moment. I'm talking about the sort of things that Paul referred to earlier and that we talked about during worship in terms of the way you are with those around you communicating the good news of the gospel so does it mean that you should go out of here and set up a stall in the city centre and stand on a soapbox and start preaching at the people going past well maybe God is calling you to that but more likely You should be looking for opportunities to be Jesus to those around you. To look for opportunities to have those conversations as God leads you. Maybe the easiest way of doing that for some of you is to invite your friends to church. To say, hey, do you you want to come to church with me on, on Sunday? There's been all sorts of research over the years in various countries all around the world and time and again research shows us that the most likely reason that people far from God are likely to go to church is what? Someone invites them. Now, you know, I love leaflets. If you know me, I love a good leaflet. You know, I love a good Facebook ad. I love all that sort of stuff. And those things help, but a thing that time and again research shows us, people who are far from God, what's most likely to make them go to church is that you invite them. A personal invitation. Maybe with a good leaflet. But it's that personal invite that says, hey, do you want to come to church with me? Well, I'm doing this on Sunday, would you like to come with me? Or this is going on at our church. Would you like to come with me? So let me ask you a question. When was the last time you did that? And what's stopping you from doing it more? What are the barriers that are stopping you from doing that more? There's two questions for life groups. Just write up for that for this week. When's the last time you did that? What's stopping you from doing it more? We invited some friends to church last Sunday. Uh, and they came to, to Easter Sunday and uh, heard a fabulous preach from Sandeep. Can't see where you are. you are headed somewhere. There you are. Brilliant preach from Sandeep about uh, the resurrection and uh, the story of Jesus. Our friends came to lunch uh, hours afterwards. We had some fascinating conversations in the afternoon as they drilled into what he talked about and asked more questions that forced me to think and forced me to think of ways to explain things without using Christianese. You know, the Christian jargon we can so easily fall into and say, what about this? And what does that mean? And what about that? Brilliant conversations. Jesus calls us to go. There is a world to reach, and he wants to use each and every one of us to reach it. Friends, none of you are excluded from this. It is for all of us. One writer put it like this. It is the duty of the church, and that means it's the duty of every Christian, to tell the story of the good news of Jesus to those who have never heard it. Quite it? It's not just for the evangelistic keenies. The Chrissies of this world, if I might say so, be as bold. You know, it's, it's not just for those, uh, the evangelistic keenies who sort of go for that, that. That's their thing. This is for all of us. And it's not that God wants to make us somehow different to do it. He wants to use each of us in our area of life and in the way we best communicate with our friends to tell his story. You might think you're not up to it, but we'll come back to that shortly. Before we move on, I just want to pause on this word, go. Because the Bible says, go into all the worlds and preach the gospel. I felt God speak to me last night in a dream. Now, this is quite unusual for me. So I don't tend to dream very much. And when I do, it tends to be a bit random. And I don't often remember it. And it's very unusual for me to have a dream that is so relevant to what I'll be doing the following day. And it wasn't even that I spent yesterday preparing. The message was, was prepared. We, we were out for the day yesterday, and I, I thought I'd look at it again this morning just to run through it. But, you know, I felt it was finished. I felt I'd prayed and prepared and written all I was done. And um, God thought, no, you're not. <laughs> And I felt God speak to me about this word go. See, very often God commands us to go, and our response is something along the lines of, But Lord, I haven't got all the information yet. Is that you? Have you ever answered God like that? God says go, and you go, But I'm not sure, Lord. I haven't got all the information that is required yet. I don't have all the answers, I don't have everything I need. But God doesn't tell us to wait. He tells us to go. And it's when we don't have all the answers. It's when we move out in those times that we move in faith. It's what I thought God speak to you about last night. That we need to respond in faith. It's a faith decision. It's a faith choice. It's a faith action. And God blesses faith. You think about Abraham. God says to Abraham, I want you to get up and go and leave your home country. Okay, well, can I get an idea where I'm going, what the route is, what it'll look like when I'm there, you know, uh, who's coming with me, what I need to pack. And you know, All these questions that Abraham might have, but he goes. What does the Bible tell us? It tells us that God blesses his faith. He didn't have all the information. In fact, Hebrews 11 verse 8 tells us, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He stepped out in faith and obedience. The previous verse in Hebrews 11 talks about Noah building an ark in the middle of dry land when there was no sign of rain. By faith he obeyed and God blessed his faith. Take a look at Hebrews 11 if you get a chance this week. There's a whole list there of people who acted when God spoke and God blessed their faith. Friends, Jesus commands us to go. And as we step out, he will bless your faith. So even this week, as you go into what God has called you to, you step out, God blesses your faith. That's how it works. Most of us go, Lord, you speak. I'm going to sit here, and when you bless me, and when you give me the faith, then I'll go. No, nothing yet. No, nothing yet. And we sit and wait because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's as we go that God blesses us. It's as we step out that God answers the questions we have. As we step out, he comes to us and empowers us and fills us with his spirit. It's as we step out and go that God blesses our faith. It's how it works. Jesus commands you to go. You step out. God meets you where you are. He blesses your faith and gives you what you need. That's how it works. That's how it worked when we moved to Derby all those years ago. Right from Southeast London. Not ever, initially, at least having been here, God spoke about moving to Derby and planting a church. Okay. That's what happened, me? Sarah, Matt and Louise, now in Burton, planting again there. Friend Neil, who's since got married and moved away. God told us to go. We didn't have all the answers. But we knew we had to obey. We knew we had to go. And God blessed our faith. Now you'll hear his result and, and others too. Has it always been easy? No. Sometimes it's been really hard. Sometimes it is really hard. But we've known this, that God said, go, so we obeyed, and he met us as we moved out because he blesses faith. I spoke to Sam and Abby on Friday morning. They're, They're planting a church in Siem Reap in Cambodia. We've talked about them lots here. We're supporting what they're doing financially and in prayer. God said go to them and so they uprooted from the UK, moved their young family over 6,000 miles to the other side of the world and now God is blessing their faith. Last Sunday they said somewhere around 70 people or so showed up to their new church plant. whole mix of people from various nationalities including a bunch of Cambodians, some of who didn't even speak English. They're doing a service in in Khmer and in English. God said go, and now God's blessing their faith. Does it mean it's easy for them? No, it's really tough. It's really hard, actually. They're really missing friends. Some of the things that they had back in the UK that perhaps they even took for granted. I haven't got right now. It's, It's difficult. It's tough. But you know what? They know God is with them because he said go. They stepped out, and now God's blessing their faith. Friends, Scripture's really clear on this. Jesus commands us to go. So the question for us should not be, should we go or not? The question should be, where? Uh, Okay, Lord, you say go. Well, where? Where? Now, it might be 6,000 miles away, or it might be 600 yards away. The issue is not where, the issue is your heart and what your attitude is in it. For some of you, maybe it is another nation that God's putting on your heart that he's calling you to and he's saying to you, go, and there is a sense of it's going to involve a plane journey. For many of you, God says go and it's about reaching those that he has already put around you and has put you amongst. Your neighbours, your friends, your place of work, where you like to hang out in your leisure time, where you spend most of your life. Whatever it is for you, God calls you to go into that place with those people. Jesus commands us to go. He sends us to be his hands and his feet and to bring his grace and good news. Friends, you are carriers of his grace and his good news. Now, we could say so much more. These passages, these verses talk about the church having a healing task as well. The Bible expects us to use... Um, actions and deeds as well as words. Time and again, we're commanded to preach the gospel and heal the sick. The two go hand in hand. We find that instruction again here, preach the gospel, heal the sick. Now, I know that we don't see everybody we pray for healed. But I do think if we prayed for more sick people, we would see more sick people healed. Yeah? we step out as we're obedient you know I've seen God heal at times I've seen God move in power I was preparing this this week I was thinking and praying I'm like why do I not do this more I've known God heal I've known God answer those sort of prayers why do I not do this more maybe for some of you the question is why do you not do this more it goes together he'll preach the gospel, Heal the sick. The ending to Mark here tells us that the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied, accompanied it. What's changed? He still does that right now. And this church has a source of power and is not left alone to do its work. You know, we've just had Easter. We haven't got to ascension yet and we haven't got to the coming of the Holy Spirit. However, we know that we're not going to do this in our own strength. The good news is that God gives us power to be obedient to him. Now You can't go around healing the sick or facing demons or even preaching the gospel on your own. You're not meant to. You're meant to do it in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes it really clear. The beginning of Acts makes it very clear. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Power for life, power to serve, power to be our witness. God wants to empower you this morning. Just like we were talking about earlier in our time of worship. God wants to empower you this morning. We need to begin to wrap up. But let me say this. Luke begins the the book of Acts by by talking about all that Jesus began to do and teach. You ever seen that phrase? All that Jesus began to do and teach, he tells us about. And the implication and indeed the, the reality is that he's still doing it. Yeah, this book tells us what Jesus began to do and to teach. But you know what? He's still doing it now. He still wants to do it now. You see, the Gospels are not the end of the story. Yes, they're the finished canon of Scripture in terms of God's word to us. I'm not saying we should add to that, let me make it really clear. But in terms of God's story, what he's doing in the earth, this isn't it. You are it. And others like you all around the world. Fillmore says this in his commentary on Mark's Gospel. He says, Mark's Gospel isn't just a history book. It's also a manual. It's a description of what your life can become. It's great, isn't it? So now you have an invitation to step into the story. What will your part be? So let me ask you as we conclude, what are you going to do after reading through being part of this series in Mark's Gospel? What's your response? What will you do? Some people will read this and say, their response is going to be, Lord, I'm going to pray and ask God to send more workers. Okay. Okay. You might go. Oh, that sounds good, isn't it? We're going to pray. It's not what it says. We're not told to pray. We're told to go. You know, others might start to debate. You know, I wonder who wrote these last verses. I wonder what they really meant by these words. And what does this mean and that mean in these last verses in this postscript? They might sit around, and talk about it, and debate it. We're not called to debate it. We're not told to talk about it. We're told to go. It's much easier to sit around debating it than it is actually to step out and go. And it's much easier to sit and pray than it is to go. If all we do is to sit around debating and pray, we've missed the point. I'm not saying praying's bad, don't hear what I'm not saying. But God's word to us this morning Is to go, to go and make disciples. William Carey, the great missionary pioneer to India, put it like this. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. So what's God calling you to this morning? Not to think about or debate or even to to pray about necessarily, but what's God putting in your heart? How is he calling you to to go, what's the next step for you this morning? For some of you this morning, the next step for you might be taking a step towards Jesus. Maybe you're here with a friend you don't yet have a relationship with, with, with God, and you're just looking in, thinking, I wonder what it's all about. Maybe the next step for you is to take a step to find out more. For some of you this morning, maybe the next step for you is getting baptized, like the passage talks about. Maybe for some of you, your next step is to begin to talk to your friends about Jesus. Maybe for some of you, your next step is to make some friends who don't know Jesus yet in order that you can then have a relationship and friendship and in time talk about the Lord. Maybe for some of you, your next step is inviting someone to church to come with you. Maybe for some of you, your next step is being obedient to what God has put in your heart, that sense of go and mission. And maybe for some of you, even that is isn't another nation. And what is the go that God is calling you to this morning? We're going to pray as we finish. But before we do that, I'm going to ask you that question again. I'd like you to answer it in your heart before the Lord. And if you're not sure, then... I'd encourage you to pray and ask God to speak to you. What is the go that God is calling you to right now? What do you know that he's putting in your heart? What is it that God has got for you? How do you respond to this go word at the end of Mark's gospel? Go into all the worlds and preach the gospel to all creation. What is your bit of the world? What is it that God has called you to? Maybe where is it or what does it look like? Where is it for you that you can do your going that God's calling us to this morning? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to be obedient to your word. And so I want to pray right now that you put in our hearts what bit of the world is it that you're calling us to go? What little corner of your creation are you wanting us to make a difference in? Lord, is it our streets? Is it our neighborhood? Our city? Is it, maybe for you, is it your place of work? Your group of friends who you maybe play sport with each week. What's your little part of God's will that he's calling you to go into with his power and his anointing? Can we stand together as we close? I just want to pray over us. And for this week, all of us go into different parts of God's creation, different parts of his world. For you, maybe your week, you work in business. And you know that tomorrow morning you're going into your work environment and God wants you to bring his kingdom into that world, into your business where he's placed you. Maybe for some of you, you work in education guess you're back at school tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe God wants you to bring something of his kingdom and his grace and his goodness and his lights into the little bit of his world that he's placed you into. Maybe you're in a season of life, you're at home. Maybe you've retired. You're not going out to work in the same way tomorrow morning, but... What does life look like for you and how is God calling you to make an impact in in his world that he's placed you in right now? Maybe for you, you're at home with small children. What does it look like for you to make an impact in God's world where he's placed you right now? Maybe you work in healthcare. God's calling you to make an impact in his world in that arena? Maybe you're a student, be it at school or at university. What does it look like for you to go into that place? Maybe there's another description of what your life looks like. I don't know all of you. What it looks like for you tomorrow morning. God is calling you to go into that part of his world for some of you there's a call to go that may involve a move for all of us there's a call to go that involves obedience to him so father I want to pray right now as we finish as we conclude not only this morning but our time in Mark's gospel that you would send us Lord into your creation to preach the gospel and to heal the sick to be advocates and extenders of your kingdom, that, God, your kingdom may come in every area of life. Those that we've named and those that we haven't named, Lord, we we pray that we would see your kingdom advance, we would see your church go forth, we would see kingdom impact and you being glorified because of our obedience. Not because of anything great we've done, but just because we've stepped out and being obedient to what you told us to do. So I want to pray right now you would help each and every one of us. Lord, we have a going mindset this week. Would we step out in faith this week? We would, would we see you move? Would we uh, have an impact on those around us, Lord, that we would see not only what you've written on our hearts, but what you're writing on the hearts of others, that we would call it out of them and speak words of destiny and faith and life over them. That, Jesus, you might use us to extend your kingdom, to glorify your name. And we pray as a result, Lord God, we would see many saved. Many added into your kingdom. Many come to know you because we've taken some small steps of obedience and stepped out in faith, just like Abraham did. So we pray you'd help us with it, God. Even next weekend as we're out on our Love Derby weekend, we we pray, God, that you would be with us there as well and you'd use us for your glory in every area of life. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 We've run over slightly, so please uh, apologize to kids' workers. Thank you for serving us. If you're going to get children, please get your kids and then join us for refreshments in the box that's out of these doors and then left and there's uh, tea and coffee and I trust some edible goodies. So please do stay around and enjoy those with us. God bless you.